All right. Welcome back to episode 23 of the 20 Pages Book Club. On today's episode, we talked through a quick weekend recap, discussing a little bit of our Thanksgiving festivities. Uh, all the guys got together, so we'll talk about that. Uh, we then usher in our next book, 1453. 1453, talking through chapters one through six. Uh, we discussed those chapters, uh, our thoughts on the thoughts on the book thus far, and then we go into a meme competition. Um, I assume most of the memes will be about our lack of understanding the book thus far, but looking forward nonetheless to a great meme comp competition and hopefully providing some laughs to our listeners. Um, looking forward to a great uh, episode. Let's go. All right, welcome back, episode 23, 20 Pages Book Club. We're back. Took a week off, week off for Thanksgiving. Um, so why don't we do a quick Thanksgiving slash this past weekend rec uh, recap. Uh, Christian, start us off. How was uh, Thanksgiving? How was this past weekend? Uh, Thanksgiving was good. I just went back home to St. Charles. Spent it with my immediate family. Nothing really out of the ordinary there. Uh, this weekend, went to a jujitsu competition class for the first time. Um, with plans, I think I'm gonna start. I'm gonna do a competition in February. I think. Uh, now that my gym like changed ownership, there's a big push to actually be a competition gym and like go out as a team and try to try to win the place first somebody plays first for the gym so they're doing one on 12 16 i haven't been to any of the competition classes so i'm not going to do that um but there's another one coming up in february uh i think i'm going to sign up for and uh hopefully be prepared i'll probably get shit on in my first competition but i think that's part of the process you probably learn a lot more uh from going and doing the damn thing and just uh, sitting back and not doing it. So that's the plan. That was the the highest one on one then, or like one on one like tournament, or how does the, how do those work? Yeah, you do. Uh, most tournaments you can like either compete gi or no gi, uh, and I would probably do both. And then your segments. For me, what you have to for me what gi is because no gi, idea. You wear you have gi pants, so like long pants. The the advantages of the gi or the difference, I guess, is that it provides you like grips to use. Um and with grips you can do different techniques or you do techniques in a, a different way. Um no gi you use more like collar ties, underhooks, uh things of that nature. Um so there's weight classes. You obviously compete within your rank, so I'd be competing with other white belts um and yeah we'll see. i don't know i'm gonna show up i'm gonna show up to this december 16th one and just like uh watch and see how it goes and then uh try to compete down the road are they all in like the chicagoland then area yeah they i forget where they do them uh oak park maybe one of the suburbs near the city 
Gotcha. Got to imagine there's a lot of sandbagging. No, there is. Pro there's a lot of sandbagging. I would imagine, too, that there's a lot of gems that promote people way too fast. I don't know if those are necessarily competition gems. Like, I don't know if people that are getting promoted really fast are really out there competing. But, yeah, there's there's probably a lot of sandbagging. And and there's, like, guys with prior non-jujitsu experience, like D1 wrestlers. Our gym has, like, three D1 wrestlers. They went to a competition, and they took second with, like, maybe two or three weeks of actual jujitsu experience. Strength, grappling strength. Yeah. You can't really yeah. teach that. Just takedowns. Takedowns and like you win by points. You don't necessarily have to submit a guy. So takedown is two points, and then you just like hold him down. Yeah, I, I would imagine a white belt is really not great off his back necessarily either. Yeah, I've I've rolled with those guys. I get fucked up. I'm not the best off my back. Usually, <laughs> I play better on top. <laughs> American hero. Okay, passing it to Jared. I'll come back to you. Okay. Uh, yeah. So Thanksgiving. Uh, it's great to see all the guys. Uh, we saw each other in St. Charles when we went out. That was a, that was a fun night. I got after it after a nice family style dinner. Uh, then we ran it back on Friday. It was another fun night. Things got blurry with the the salty. Salty nipple shots or whatever the hell they're called. Uh, All of surprise! I I was surprised that they, I was not hungover in the morning. I don't know how I was not hungover, I was but I woke up at like nine, like ready to go. Yeah, I felt like maybe not so much. <laughs> there's there's a lot of salty nipple on me and Christian's toilet, and it wasn't from either of us. Fucking Brandon. Yeah, so, there's still stains in our toilet. <laughs> <laughs> I cleaned the surface. Um, I remember is I remember is Kevin Tosh talking about Taco Bell to Tyler, and he's like, "We're so getting Taco Bell," and that was like the last thing I remember from the night. Um, but yeah, that was fun. And then this past week for work, I was I've been in Houston, uh, so I was at client side in Houston. Never been there. Didn't see much of the city, so I couldn't tell you my review of the city. But uh, and then I was not. And then I got sick. Wednesday, so I've been kind of laying low the past couple of days. Haven't been feeling that great, but luckily feeling better now. Um, but yeah, that was my weekend. Not too eventful. Kevin, how was your weekend? Uh, it was good. Going to reiterate a lot of the stuff you guys said about Thanksgiving. It was just back home, St. Charles. Saw you guys. Saw family. Uh, this past weekend, I went and visited my younger brother at Augustana. It's a pretty fun weekend. Hung out with him and all his buddies, and that I've only met a few of his buddies, so it was nice to meet all his college friends. Um, today watched the uh, watched Saint Olaf win the D three national title. Those, Those bastards! Those bastards! <laughs> uh, what yeah. Besides that, that shocking keeping that one year. Oh, that's your friend, though, isn't it? Damn. Yeah, he probably <laughs> deserves it. <laughs> And I also missed that. I blanked on that one. That's actually my bad. I didn't mean that. As like... <laughs> we just lost one of our five listeners, Tyler. God damn it. No, I don't think he knows how to read. He had a rough one. He's CP. Um, 
Yeah, besides that, nothing nothing too crazy. What about you, Tyler? Pretty good. Hung out with my girlfriend Friday night and then so it's uh, Saturday. So it's official. Yes. Um, not the tweet. Saturday I um I went out with Brandon. So we had a good time. We hung out with Brendan and Brandon, so the doubles. And then we saw the good friends Peter and Tommy and all good good lads, you know. So you guys watch the games? Uh yeah, we, did, we me, Brendan and Brandon were watching the games out at the bars in Gold Town Gold Coast, Old Town. Combine the words there, but yeah. area. I was gonna maybe come out, but I was under the weather still. Unfortunately I couldn't. Yeah. It's like it's a, it's a trying to get out there is not the easiest sometimes. But I think I'll be in the city next week though. I was gonna okay. for the Christmas party. Yeah. Well you, you guys are all going. Welcome to stay over. Oh. Um Ben's Christmas party. You guys going to the Christmas party? Uh Tyler and Kevin, you guys are invited. I'll ask Ben. I'm busy. I I got a I got a I got a work bar crawl on Friday. I don't know. Oh, it's on Saturday, buddy. No excuses. I'm not invited back after what I did to your toilet. No, you're <laughs> fuck. Our sink is still broken, by the way. Yeah. Do we have any update on SyncGate? <laughs> no one's filed a work request. Tyler, uh, Tyler dealt with the maintenance guy. Tyler, if you want to share his reaction, I, I share. I, I called the maintenance guy about the heat because it wasn't being distributed correctly, which it still technically isn't. But whatever, he, he was just like, let me know. And then I was like, showed him the sink. I was like, okay, how do we handle this? Like, can we handle it under the table? Like, what? <laughs> and he, he just looked at it. And he's like, I help you. You help me. <laughs> He looked at it. It gets on his knees. <laughs> he looked at it and he was he just started doing this. He started dying laughing when he saw it. And he's like do anything. And so he walked out. And he was just like he was just like, uh yeah, you just gotta call the office about that one. So no one's called the I office. Don't, I still don't understand yeah. the physics. Yeah, I don't understand. Really I haven't seen it. It should be Brandon, but because he's the one that's in communication with the suspect, but <laughs> is it suspect? I thought it was. I thought it was suspects. Suspects. We've drilled it down to one individual. First name. Uh, I honestly don't. I don't know. I honestly don't know. I forget. I don't know. Yeah, it was. It was someone that Brandon knows. I don't even know who it was, honestly. Sadly. So he said she would pay. So yeah, we got to get that figured out soon, though, if she's still going to pay. So because we're probably gonna have to pay a plumber to like re redo things. So like, is it granite or what are we, what are we working with here? I mean, the whole sink's got to be replaced. Looks like you know, you know the clay ceramic. pottery that you made like in middle school that ceramic put in, like the urn and yeah, looks it's ceramic. It's nothing special. Send a picture of it. We go. We'll post about Sinkgate. Okay. Probably most most of the maintenance guy's reaction was probably our tape job, the caution tape job that we put around the sink. I showed him the wine bottle too, and he was like, he was like, I mean, it could have, but that's a strong wine bottle. I was also confused with the whole wine bottle going, and I didn't quite understand the 
uh, how the that physics are not the physics are not physicking. Yeah. Nevertheless, maybe we'll run it back this weekend at Ben's Christmas well, party. You're welcome to stay. So, I was going to talk to you guys about that after because I am looking like him. I might have to. Okay. Sounds so, good. We'll see. All right. Let's get into the book. Probably got a lot to talk about, a lot that we don't understand. So, Tyler, take us away. Uh, once again, new book, 1453. The Wheel is Just. Uh, yeah, Tyler. Take us away, chapter one. All right, I'll start with the prologue. <clears throat> in modern times, Istanbul is a city of 15 million people, the largest in Europe. At one point, the greatest city in the world, then called Constantinople, a city protected by ancient walls and seas on two sides. The greatest of the walls, Theodosius, the most formidable defense in the medieval world. In 1453, if you looked westward from the city, you would see columns of men marching from Aderna, 140 miles to the west. It was the Ottoman Empire. Their goal, ca capture Constantinople and the collapsing Byzantine Empire. Despite 73 attempts at the walls over the years, no siege had been truly successful. Yet, Sultan Mehmet II saw opportunity and arrived upon them on April 6, 1953. To many, it was a battle between the two great monotheisms, Islam and Christianity, and it, it was this stage that set upon one of the most intense moments of history. With that, I'll just, uh, the thoughts on the pl prologue. Yeah, I was automatically confused. So the Ottoman Empire completely surrounds Constantinople. Correct. So the Byzantine they, Empire, like, shrunk over time, if that makes sense. So originally, so they, didn't, they didn't surround it. Their capital is their territory. Or do they have territories outside of Constantinople? Byzantine. You're asking about the the you brought the Byzantine, or you yeah about that? Yeah, I saw this map. I was just I thought the author made an error in drawing the map. I was like, there's no way this place is still standing. So the Byzantine Empire is basically of Greek origin, if I'm correct, Tyler. Right? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's the it's basically it's an offshoot of the Roman Empire. Yeah. So they basically controlled what is. A lot of what is modern day Turkey, but as the author kind of explained a little bit throughout, there's a bunch of tribes, and over time, the Ottomans were one of these tribes, and they kind of just grew in power over time until the point they did when Mehmet I think came the, to power, they kind of just started sur surrounding it. I think I don't know. So I think I think when Rome collapsed and they were looking for a new capital, this Constantinople was the new capital. But you'll see there's a reference to the new Roman Catholic Empire in the in the book. So that comes along as well. But the, so this is, I don't know, you could call it an offshoot or uh, something. I would say offshoot is probably the best word of the Roman Empire. But obviously it's pretty much dead at this point. And the, re and the reason it was surrounded is just because I think Istanbul is just, or Constantinople is just super impenetrable with the walls, its location geographically. Yeah. Surrounded by water on two sides, huge, huge gates and yeah so they were bare, they were hanging on for a th by a threat yeah i think that's the best way to describe it they're they were on a threat at this point they were a collapsing empire and the ottoman empire was at pretty much its max strength at this point gaining. yeah yeah it was gaining momentum so yeah i'm gonna get this out there now but i just every time like i read something about these walls and like the the war tactics going on i just instantly start picturing game of thrones in my head I was thinking. Uh, I think. 
I was thinking Lord of the Rings, the two towers at one point. Yes. Yes. Because they were talking about yeah, the weaponry, wow. and it reminded me of the bomb they set off in the gates below in the sewer system. I I forget what battle that was, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Helm's Deep. Uh, Mamet's slaves that he bought. Slaves that he bought reminded me of like the Unsullied because they came like his fighting force in Game of Thrones. Like they're they were, I was just picturing them like. I feel like it's like a similar timeline of like when Game of Thrones was like made. I guess around this era. Yeah, Game of Thrones is definitely based off of medieval uh, Europe. So. Actually, you know, middle evil, middle evil, yeah, opposite way, yep, opposite way. Medieval Europe is based off of Game of Thrones, correct? All right, there you go. Uh, chapter one, the Burning Sea. So we're going back in time here, six twenty nine. Burning Sea, Game of Thrones. Respect. Okay. (laughs) The city had been pursued by Islam for years. In the year six twenty nine, Heracles, emperor of Byzantium, marched to Jerusalem, coming off successful battles against the Persians. It was on that march he reportedly received a letter from the prophet himself, Muhammad, warning Heracles to surrender to Allah and embrace Islam. In return, he would receive double the reward. Muhammad had been successful in unifying the tribes of the Arabian Peninsula around the message of Islam. With this strength, they captured Damascus, Jerusalem, Egypt, and Armenia. With that, the Persian Empire had collapsed and converted to Islam. With their success, they set their sights on Constantinople, leading to a five-year siege. However, the Byzantine fleet struck back using Greek fire, a technique that used crude oil and substances to create adhesive flames that could be used as projectiles. Uh, Kevin is thinking about the... Is that season two of Game of Thrones where they set the water on fire? I think so. Yeah. What was that stuff called? It's like the green fire. I need to, I need to rewatch Game of Thrones. That, that's season season six when they... Uh, oh, is it later? I... When Lady Hightower was killed, or not? Yeah. Right? Are you thinking at the church? I'm thinking when it's in the water. No, yeah, when there's fire, the yeah. green stuff in the water, and hearing go down fire. fight. Anyways, the next major attack came in seven seventeen. Or no, wow, wow, uh, seven seven hundred seventeen. Wow, that was. I bad. can't ever. Just a side note: like every time I read these dates, these years that don't have like a thousand, when it's like seven hundred seventeen, it. It like doesn't make sense in my brain. Like I don't comprehend it as a date. I comprehend it as like a number. Yeah, me too. The next major attack. Yeah, I also, I also think. Wait, wait, wait! I also think Heraclius is Hercules every time. I can't. Yeah, my brain is. Is Damascus based off of the Call of Duty camo? He, he's just strong. But Damascus is the capital of Syria. I don't know. I don't remember what Damascus camo is. Um, all right. Uh, okay. In the next major attack came in 717. <laughs> I said, damn it. You messed me up. Oh my God. So, okay. The next, the next major attack came in 717 to those in Damascus. They determined that it was only a matter of time before the world accepted Islam or submitted to Muslim rule. With that, they went on the offensive against newly crowned Leo II. They arrived 80,000 strong and well-prepared for a siege. However, Leo tricked them, convincing them to destroy their own food caches. After that, instead of submitting, he merely stopped negotiations and waited out the winter. Quickly, the army started collapsing and all reinforcements were cut off. After failure to receive aid, they retreated. However, only five ships made it back to Syria. It marked a failure for jihadist Islam. In fact, no Muslim banners would step foot in front of Byzantium for 650 years. However, prophecy dictated that they would return. 
Constantine had established the city in 324 AD. Strategically, the city was right in between the great cities of the Middle East and cities of North Africa. They served as an entrance to Europe. It arose as a city ruled by a Roman emperor and inhabited by Greek-speaking people. Byzantium was the heir to the Roman Empire and the first Christian nation. It was a manifestation of the triumph of Christ, and it was beautiful. Visitors came and left astonished by the religious beauty. Christianity dominated the city, its inhabitants, and their beliefs. Everything was in the act of God. Given the showmanship, Byzantium attracted a lot of invaders, both Asian and European. Despite the frequent attacks, nobody could break the city's psychological and physical defenses. However, a blow did come in the 11th century, one that would pay significant dividends for Islam. All right, that's that's the the history textbook of uh, the pre one thousands uh, uh, Byzantium. Uh, you learn anything? What's what are your thoughts? I learned everything, but I didn't retain anything. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's how I feel. Like the first, I reading the prologue, I was like, okay, like I re I kind of retained. Yeah, the prologue was going to be at that level, and then the first chapter hit, and it was like. So then they, yeah, you, I, it's like they keep stacking these two and you like read this chapter and then the next one. This also is probably a fault of myself for reading it all within the span of like two hours, two and a half hours, but in one one or two sittings. But also like I just keep stacking these chapters on top of one of another and I'm just like, it's just like more facts, more fact. And then by the time I'm done reading, I'm like, wow, I just remember like the first two facts I read basically. So basically. I think it's hard. I think it's hard because we don't know any of the characters. We don't know any of the places because similar to the great game, they all have different names than present day. Most of the, like it, we almost needed like a, a glossary for each of the, the tribes, like where they're from, who they are. And like explain that just because like, even me, like I, I feel like I'm pretty well-versed in like world history. Not, not the most known. Like I don't claim to know a lot of things, but like I thought I had a decent grasp. I read this couple of first chapters and I was like, what am I reading? Like I didn't retain one bit of it. Like I it was all brand new information. Completely agree. My one takeaway. What? Well, well, question to preface this. Um, is the Muhammad discussed here? Is that the prophet of Islam, Muhammad? Yes. Okay. Pretty interesting. I thought he would... I thought he would exist around the time of Jesus, but nice. said this is the year 629 AD. But it's still dis it's disputed whether Muhammad existed, even though he did all of these things. No, I think it's disputed whether certain things actually happened, like events in the book, like his. We got to be careful here. His contributions. <laughs> to certain thing events that are happening. I think the author dances around it nicely. I think ultimately that's why I was confused. If you were if you're <laughs> someone that identified as Muslim, you would take these as things that were included in the Quran and believe is true. Okay. But Similar with a lot of religion. It's a lot of he said, she said that <laughs> those religions believe. Just like there's I think that's fair. That's fair. That's fair to every religion. I'm... Yeah. I think Christian, same thing with Jesus. People argue about him as a historical figure separate from events that they say occur in the Bible, whether you believe that or not. Yeah, I just, I found it interesting because Muhammad's impacts seem to be a lot more 
seem to have a lot larger of a geopolitical impact than Jesus. He literally went on a conquest and unified uh, multiple different tribes. It would seem you'd be able to validate his existence more so than Jesus. I guess you wouldn't be able to validate the fact that he was a prophet, but... Yeah, I think that's more what the author was sending to. Okay. Got it. I think, there, I mean, definitely, I think Muhammad as a actual person is very real, but... Um, yeah. Tyler, did you understand this chapter at all? Or, like, where were you at? I'm interested to see what you're I, understanding. I would say it certainly helps writing the summaries, and I was able to like write this down i mean if it, I, I always try to just simplify things i don't try to ever remember everything so i mean like just taking a paragraph by paragraph it's byzantium's an offshoot of the roman empire um long-standing it's the first christian nation um you know very powerful at the time when it's established you know it's viewed as a beacon of the new world at this time um obviously that attracts attackers um, they mentioned the Mongols later on, stuff like that. So it's constantly a source of um, attacks, but it's able to withstand due to its geo geography around it. Um, and then ultimately, we are introduced to kind of the m sort of m Muslim Islam um, motivation for wanting to take Constantinople all of these years. Uh, that we'll see with Mehmet finally fulfilling, hopefully, or... Yeah, I mean he's going to, but um, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. But um, yeah. So I think I just try to simplify things. You know, obviously you're not going to be able to remember any dates here. I don't try to remember that or any of those things. But yeah, don't get me started with dates. <laughs> All I know is it happens in 1453. I think trivia for this book. I think authors do that because they're judged by their peers. And they have to be accurate for those peers. Like, you know, most of them are probably college professors. And if they write, they don't include names or they don't include dates. Like, to their other college professors, it's going to seem not great. But yeah, that's, that's fair. The average reader, it's like, okay, dude, you hit me with five dates in the same page. It's like, okay, calm down a little bit. Um, All right. Chapter two, Dreaming of Istanbul. It was the emergence of the Turks that reawakened the slumbering spirit of Islam. To the Byzantines, the Turks were nomads. Through centuries, the Turks had been pushed westward. By the end of the 10th century, the Turks were integrating into the Middle East. By the mid-11th century, they were firmly established as rulers in Baghdad under the Seljuks, I think that's how you pronounce it. Combining the Turkish fighting spirit and Islam recreated a jihadist desire. In March 1071, Emperor Romanus IV Diogenes, I don't know, set out to confront Sultan Elpazlan. <laughs> the Sultan proposed a truce, but was denied. As a result, he won a decisive victory against the Emperor. Romanus survived to kiss the ground in front of the Sultan, who triumphantly planted his foot on the back of his neck. For the Byzantines, the Battle of Manzikert was a terrible day. With that, the Turks would get closer to Constantinople. The mixed population would live under Turkish rule, which was largely welcomed due to high taxation from the Byzantine Empire. Christians would be treated fairly under the new rulers. However, Constantinople was facing an even greater challenge, one from the Christian West. 
The Crusader, the Crusades was a desire to retake Christian Holy Land and check the rise of militant Islam. In 1095, Pope Urban II led a sermon at Claremont. In this, he called for the extermination of the vile race from our lands, setting in motion 350 years of crusades towards Jerusalem. It became clear, in terms of culture, the Byzantines were closer to the Muslims than the Crusaders. As a result, the two groups didn't take a liking to each other. In 1204, it came to a head. The Fourth Crusade was destined for Egypt, but the Phoenician-led ships rerouted to Constantinople. In the ensuing chaos, they ransacked the city and left it in ruin. Much of the city was burned, and most of the population retreated to Greece. The Byzantines recaptured the city in 1261, a shell of its former self. Meanwhile, across the waterway, Anatolia became engulfed with refugees. A Mongolian leader by the name of Genghis Khan had rounded up the tribal population of Mongolia and dismantled much of the Islamic world. In 1243, it collapsed. They had run out of room to run. Despite the collapse, it did rise to the emergence of a new people. In 1280, we saw the emergence of the Ottomans, a group that emerged from the anonymous wandering Turkmen. Turkmen? Jeez, wow, Turkmen. Um, wandering Turk. A cast of illiterate warriors led, after Thanksgiving. led by Osman. <laughs> it didn't take long for Osman. To... I just imagined the actual turkey men. Sorry. <laughs> Turkmen, okay. In, 12... in 1280, we saw the emergence of the Ottomans, a group that emerged from the anonymous wandering Turkmen. A cast of illiterate warriors led by Osman. He didn't take lo... It didn't take long for Osman to take on the Byzantines. By 12... or 1302, he had won his first victories. His son, Orhan, continued on the successes, slowly taking cities and renaming them in Turkish, setting their sights on Constantinople, which they called Istanbul. With their growing successes, after 650 years, a Muslim army once again stood at the city's walls. Perhaps the greatest accomplishment of the Ottomans was the formation of a regular army. Sieging tactics required a well-trained army, and Sultan Murat the first turned towards Christian slaves. They were taken from the Baltics, converted to Islam, and trained to seize the West, a tactic that brought upon criticism as barbaric and gave rise to the phrase, the Turk. Meanwhile, Byzantium continued to collapse. In 1284, they disbanded their navy. Between 1341 and 1371, the lands were decimated by civil wars. By 1347, the population was around 100,000. The riches of the city continued to dry up. By 1362, they were encircled. Despite a cry for a crusade by the Pope, it failed. Europe was a broken, poor, and, and left shattered by, after the Black Death. Constantinople was hanging on by a thread and destined to collapse. Whew. Uh, basically, I mean, um, I wrote my question here. What do you think about the isolation of Constantinople? It seems they're denied from the Christian West and sought after by the Islamic East. I obviously wrote that question before we learned their issues with the Catholic Church, but... It's very weird that they're like, they've been basically ostracized by the Christian West. And then at the same time, they're trying to face an empire to the East that also hates their guts. Wait, so explain to me, the, Crus the Crusades are the Christian, the hardcore Christian? Yeah, it's, it's, correct. it's the goal to retake Jerusalem, basically, in the name of Christ. And they're coming from like, what, Italy? Yeah, it's coming, it's, it's led by the Catholic Church. Okay, got it. So it'd be French, Spanish, Italian. It, the goal is obviously to it, they they see the it, they see the rise of Islam, Islam in the, the Middle, Middle East, East, yeah, and want to reclaim the Holy Land. So are they stuck like inside, like the walls 
that we find out later? Like, are they literally basically essentially trapped inside from both sides? I took it as like when we get to 1452, that becomes the case. I don't think at this time. But the Byzantines aren't as aren't on the same side as the the Catholic Church, though, correct? Sort of. Uh, That's where I'm confused. Like, I'm confused, like, where... They're both Christian. Uh, they don't respect their each other's theology, necessarily. The Eastern Orthodox Church uh, doesn't agree on the same worshipping techniques as the Catholic Church. This would be a great one for Dave, because they bring up the phrase, the sun, later on. My father hates that phrase. Uh, the Catholic Church loves to say the father. Oh, zoom them in. The f- School us a little bit. You, you've probably heard it, Christians, obviously Catholic, but the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. People from the Eastern Orthodox Church would not, don't think the Son is theolog- theologically accurate statement. I mean, the Catholic Church basically re- revolves around the Holy Trinity. Yeah. So there is. So like, practice the same religion, but they have different like beliefs in the religion, basically. It's like, it's like have... religion kind of basically yeah like it's how it doesn't seem like Catholics, like christian it, it didn't seem in this chapter like christian west was exactly targeting constantinople it almost seemed like a blunder and i forget who it was that led the crusade but he was originally supposed to go somewhere else and just was like fuck it let's go after constantinople yeah i mean i think it was a more so a thing if, if islam was there they were going to try and deter it at all costs like it's what happens in jerusalem since the age of time basically yeah back to my original question when i was asking if they're surrounded i so how do do they are they just self-sufficient like make their own crop, like plant their own crops, make their own food, have their own economy. Like they don't, are they, were they unable to trade with anybody? Like for, they mentioned and inside the walls, like the walls were not like, just like you don't go in the walls and then it's just city. I think there's like a couple of villages as you go in from the walls. Yeah. So I'm assuming they had, they had villages there and they probably snuck around some traders or some ships when they could from the blockade, the blockades from the straits. The map, the map on the second map, the one that's like this, uh, yeah, that shows the walls. If like up top, it's the Bosporus. That's where your Mamet ended up building that palace that they were talking about. So that's where they're bringing in all of like the cannons going to cross from there because that's like the shortest point. But like everything to the west was like they started capturing it, but up to that point, uh. Byzantium still had access to all that West in this time, the 1300s. But we'll see. They start losing that territory as they get poorer and poorer. I just find it, like, super interesting how if you're surrounded, like, how do you... Like, obviously, you can't make... Like, you don't have access to all the materials from other places and stuff. Like, how are you that self-sufficient, you know? Yeah. They, they There's only so much yeah, resources. They, they had, like, giant silos of stuff. But I don't, we'll see. I mean, like, people starving is probably not going to be mentioned a lot in this book. But I'm sure there was citizens starving. You know? Yeah. Just a note. They talk about the the Sophia Dome. It's, uh, the Aglia Sophia now. Mm-hmm. But it's still standing, so. 
if you want to look it up, it's pretty insane to see. Yeah, it's it's they've converted to a Muslim church. The mosque now, yeah, yeah but yeah, um, yeah, it's I, I I've seen people take pictures there. It's it is weird to see like all the things that were converted to a mosque or that are, and then also they mentioned a bunch of historical stuff that they held in that church that I saw while I was in Rome, or like that that's now stored in like the Pantheon and stuff. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, I'm surprised actually how they were like when things would get ransacked, they were weren't like gonna just, just destroy everything. I thought it was interesting that they kind of just kind of like took it over and then they just kind of controlled it then. Yeah. I think everyone has a certain respect for history. Anyone have any other thoughts? I mean we we we, we cover another four hundred years there, so again I'm probably a little bit out of my my wheelhouse, but talking about it definitely helps me understand yeah. yeah i think yeah i feel like i feel like after all the like lead up chapters we just need like one like just quick summary of like what was important from you tyler like what what did we actually need to know from all of that stuff i wish the author just did that it was like roger hey. probably should have made like a for dummies chapter like yeah. yo like this is for like all the professors but if you're like an actual normal person like that doesn't know any and uh, have any background in this. Here's what you need to know. Like, yeah, I mean, I think it's. I think the main thing there's. I think they introduce the conflict with the Catholic Church in this chapter and the problems that come on later on with the Eastern Eastern Orthodox um, Church. But then also, they talk about how it's kind of the. Byzantium Empire is collapsing at this point. I mean, it's basically by the time we're introduced to Constantine the Eleventh. I mean, it's pretty much dead. Like they're just hanging on by a thread. So I think at this point, it's pretty much collapsed. Um, it's kind of what I took from it. I, I pictured like uh, in the like the Targaryens and the Dance of the Dragons. He's uh, what's his name? King Viserys. Yeah, he's, he's dead. Yeah. He's, Basically, the whole city's collapsed. There's no money. They've lost all their territory. It's basically just death is coming. Um, he's trying to ring up, <laughs> ring up the troops around, but he's not getting anything. Yeah. All right, chapter three. Uh, Sultan and the I think it's Sultan and the Emperor, but is it just Sultan and Emperor? Is that Sultan and Emperor? There's no the. Oh, okay, it's just Sultan and Emperor. I don't know. All right, 1432 through 1451. You can tell we're getting to the end of the history books because we're, we're shortening the years here. Um, 1432 was the birth of Mehmet, the man destined to change the course of Constantinople. Mehmet was born the third son, meaning his shot at becoming sultan was slim. Adding to this was the mystery surrounding his mother, her origin unknown. Like many before him, Mehmet battled with his brothers for the throne. However, they both died due, due to assassination. That left Mehmet as the only true successor. The sultan, fearing for his safety, recalled Mehmet to the palace. There, he was trained under Mullah Ahmet Garani. Mehmet became very accomplished, learning several languages and displaying strong ambition. With that, Murat abdicated his throne, leaving to handle the Hungarian Christian uprising in the west, in the Bay of Karaman. Mehmet took the throne at the age of 12, which is just crazy to think about immediately. Oh, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Men grew up quicker back then. 
brothers stabbing at each fun. other's backs. Yeah, that's you know, it's Game of Thrones. I guess. You live to like the thirty-five those days. Yeah, but maybe what? the L, maybe the LRA had a point. <laughs> Different time question. <laughs> The West immediately took the opportunity to revolt, leading another crusade. Meanwhile, in the city in 1544, a heretical sect had appeared in the city. My God. Mehmet opened his arms to the man in the palace, shocking his advisors. His council eventually arrested the man and burned him in public. Meanwhile, the eastern provinces continued to revolt. Marat returned in time and triumphed over the crusade at Varna in the Black Sea. Despite the misstep, Mehmet remained in power and deepened his desire for power. Inspired by Alexander the Great and Julius Caesar, he hoped to reverse history, seizing Constantinople and capturing the West. Moreover, the ambitions... However, sorry, Mehmet... (laughs) However, the ambitions were stifled by his advisors. Halil Pasha helped organized the return of Marat, and Mehmet was set down from the throne, for now. In 1451, Marat passed. Despite a tense moment immediately following the death, Mehmet was returned to the throne at 17. He retained all of the advisors and all of the same ambitions. Meanwhile, in 1449, a new emperor would take power in Constantinople. It was Constantine XI. Unlike his ancestors, Constantine inherited a tired Constantinople, a lackluster army, and a squabbling nobility. Despite being emperor, he had little power. The Byzantine Empire was a shadow of its former self, glorious, once glorious self, once a far-reaching kingdom. It was rendered to a practically empty city. Despite all the terrible circumstances, he was recognized as a great leader, highly capable, trustworthy, and garnered deep loyalty from those around him. Unlike Mehmet, Constantine was 44 years old. By the time he inherited the throne, he had 20 years of fighting experience and had experienced more tragedy than most. His first and second wife had died without bearing a child. I feel like that was just common for the time. I don't know why the author said he had experienced so much tragedy. And the political intention in the capital made it difficult to find a new wife. Meanwhile, Mehmet settled into his throne in 1451, ordering the death of his infant brother, Ahmet, using an assassin. Then sentencing the assassin the next day, meanwhile courting his depressed mother off to another noble, he was ruthless but clarified his position on the throne. Uh, It was a precursor for acts to come. So, Mehmet does play the Game of Thrones well. Why do you have to send an assassin for an infant? <laughs> I think it used to be just started. That's layman's work. With the idea. He probably had guards around him, I would imagine. I don't know. I think he framed the assassin as the killer. And he said he had no part of it. Because he sentenced the guy to death, so. How could you do that? Yeah. I feel like half of this book for me is like reading it and being like, oh. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, that's that's like a crazy Mortal Kombat like finishing move. It's like some guy named, R- I, I think it's in a later chapter, but Rizzo gets like a, a fucking pole shoved up his anal cavity and that's how he dies. Like, <laughs> like, what is going on? Like, all these different deaths are so insane. They, they were ruthless. And then we're introduced to Constantine, who uh, they they describe him as like, uh, you know, someone that is well-respected, but he's inherited a complete disaster. He's King Viserys. Yeah. Also 44 years old. That's like, it's not extremely old for that time. I think if you're like, a royalty, like, you'd probably survive. Let's see what the average, what, what's the average uh, 
I guess would be like. I feel like the average age would be skewed because of childbirth being so low, though. What's the word for that? Average uh, life expectancy. Life, yeah, average life expectancy in the 1400s. All right, so Mehmet's playing the Game of Thrones, literally killing an infant and then courting his mother off to some other guy. Any thoughts on that? Actually, you gotta you gotta oh. get some respect off the bat. To be honest. I love that he he got a shot at the throne and they decided, no, nah, you're not you're not ready. And then he came back five. That's years. how you just create you. That's how you create a monster. I know. You, you give the man the throne and you're like, nah. <laughs> I'm surprised. But, I'm surprised this Halil guy has not died yet. I kind of forgot who he was. <laughs> he's he's you know, quite fair. I don't. I don't together, know. Pick over. No, that was the advisor, like the head advisor. Oh. He's the one that uh, brought back Morant and then told him he was he was going back down to the minor leagues. I got the average life expectancy. So from 1,300 to 1,400, average life expectancy was to 45 due to the bubonic plague. Uh, uh, after, from 1,400 to 1,500, runs, it's in the 60s. And then yeah. since People, that, so it's higher, it's higher than I thought. Plague. Yeah, well, they talk about the bubonic play. I think it's the next, is it this chapter or the next chapter? They, they mention it at some point. Yeah. I think it was a previous chapter. People forget. People forget. It's terrible. Rats. Gotta be sanitary. Um. All right, chapter four, cutting the throat. <clears throat> News of Marat's death was celebrated in the West, casting a wave of relief. However, it was short-lived. Um, as ambassadors informed them of the ambitions of the young Mamet, Constantine quickly acted to try and appease the new sultan, and ambassadors from the west followed. They were greeted by a peaceful Mamet who acted diplomatically. Most of the west felt reassured by the young Mamet and his advisors. With this, many tested his rule internally. However, Mamet met both of the internal revolts with force. Constantinople looked to test Mamet by using Prince Orhan as blackmail. It quickly backfired, feeling... Uh, their ambition to capture the city. Mamet took the news with a poker face, but spent much of 1451 expanding his power. Meanwhile, Constantine seemingly could see the writing on the wall. The Ottomans were coming. With this, he went to Italy to seek aid. They responded slowly and not convincingly. After a few months, it became clear Mamet was building up for conflict. Constantine made a last plea to the Venetians, but they only offered supplies. He again uh, he reached out to Mamet, but his advisors were threatened if they ever returned. With that, Mehmet began construction on his new castle across the strait in Europe, taking use of logistics and a 6,000-strong workforce. He set his advisors on quick completion at Bosphorus. Without resources, Constantine could only watch the construction. Mehmet continued to taunt him, slaughtering the nearby villages. Constantine sent him a letter declaring that only God could truly judge them, and that war awaited them at Constantinople. Mehmet responded, surrender or die. In September of 1452, his palace was completed. It had only taken four and a half months. On August 28th, Mehmet studied the defenses of the city on horseback. With winter approaching, he returned home for now. Ordering the Black Sea to be cut off, all ships would have to pay a toll. Despite years of pleading from Constantine, the toll finally caught the attention of the Italians. In November, Venetian Antonio Rizzo, I just like to imagine this is Anthony Rizzo set off to blow past the toll. The ship was sunk and the crew was executed, <laughs> causing panic within Constantinople due to political issues. None of the Western countries made a move. In addition, the Pope was too busy with the struggles caused by the Orthodox Church. 
Constantinople was on its own. I love, it's the most normal name we've run into <laughs> so far. It's the most Italian name, too. It's classic, yeah. Classic Antonio style. Rizzo. <laughs> the man got turned into a flagpole. It just sounds like a guy from Jersey. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I do love the Italians. The Venetians just sit there until... Obviously, because Italy's not that old of a country, so it's just the Venetians, but they're Italians. Um, uh, I love how they they only started to care once the toll came up. Um, but I guess not not every country views world politics as America. I guess you don't have to have your hands in everything. So, um, all right. My question was: We finished the preamble to war. What are your thoughts on the history that led to the conflict and the two leaders we're introduced to? I focus on the second part of that because we've kind of spoke on our thoughts on the history behind it. But you guys have any thoughts on the leaders so far? You said about kinda, that. Like, author sets it up and makes Mehmet sound like a badass, and Constantine sound kind of eh. I think he kind of sets it up for what's about to happen and who's going to prevail. Yeah. I mean, it constantly just has so much stuff to worry about. And Mehmet has, has inherited like a great empire. Like obviously his dad was very successful. So he's just like, he kind of knows that they both know the writings on the wall and Mehmet is very confident and cocky and, but he's also very skilled too. They do mention a lot of things that make him successful. Like, he takes notes of logistics and supply lines and making sure people get paid. And like, he didn't ostracize Christians either. He like brought in Christians to help him, uh, help the Ottoman empire grow. So like, there's a lot of compliments gave to him. I think he definitely respected yeah. the Byzantine empire in general, just because of how long they had been standing. So like yeah. he, he knew that in order to get the job done, he had to, he had to get whoever he could to kind of fight. Yeah. Can we talk? What is the significance of this new castle in the strait? I think they said the reasoning for it was it allowed them to transport supplies back and forth securely. Where do where does the Ottoman capital sit at this point? Is it Adirn? Yeah. Yeah, because I think that's where Mehmet's castle was built. Like right, it's basically right outside Constantinople. If you go on that first couple maps. Yeah. Yeah. It is crazy that their empires like all of that. And like modern day Greece. That and then like it goes all the way to the Middle East. Hmm. People were so loyal back then. Yeah. I feel like if I feel like if this were the case. Like, if there was no technology and communication was, like, not as great, and you're on the other side of, like, Constantinople, and you're, like, one of the leaders over there, you could just be like, ah, fuck it. Let's just, let's just be rebels and start our own. Going anywhere but here, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of backstabbing that happens, too, though. All right. Game of Thrones. Chapter 5, The Dark Church. Let's read some uh, theological differences. Um. All right. Constantine's struggles to muster support date back to an event that occurred 400 years earlier. I, I will say we did talk about 
I think, Kevin, you were talking about, you don't like all of this information compiling. We have had books where they kind of interwind it within the story. It it does seem weird to me that he started off by saying all that information and then started interwinding it, like now. Um, but let me read. Constantine struggles to muster support date back to an event that occurred 400 years earlier. In 1056, cardinals sent from the Catholic Church entered the St. Sophia Church, led by Humbert. He delivered a letter of excommunication and swiftly exited the church. The event was the catalyst of the Great Schism, a breakup of the Roman Catholic Church and the Eastern Orthodox Churches. Most of the differences were caused by social and political factors. However, there are also theological differences. Whatever the reasoning, the rift between the Greeks and the Latins took a major step here and would carry on through the centuries. In 1439, there was a hope of unification of the churches. Constantine sent his delegates, and they agreed upon it. However, uh, the, sorry, the phrase, the sun, would be omitted uh, in the east. However, the people in the church didn't take kindly to the agreement. They met the delegates with disgust, and most withdrew their signature. As pro-Union, Constantine wasn't well-liked by the people. As such, he was never actually crowned. The anti-Union people and the Pope continued to battle for theological supremacy. The Pope sent Cardinal Isidore and 200 archers in May of 1452. The following situation, paired with the Ottoman pressure, resulted in religious hysteria. Cardinal Isidore and Orthodox leader, oh my god, Genedius, uh battled for the populace of the city. Meanwhile, Mehmet looked upon Constantinople in encouragement. Where he saw a crack, he also saw an opportunity. The ambition was driving him insane. He spent the winter obsessing over plans to storm the city. With the goal in mind, he summoned Halil Pasha to his chambers. Halil feared that he was walking to his death and hugged his family goodbye. However, Mehmet forced him to swear to take the city, and Halil uh, proclaimed his full support. Following this, in January of 1453, Mehmet gave a speech to his council announcing the time for war was now. Furthermore, they needed to be quick and decisive while the opportunity presented itself. Despite the terrible atmosphere within the city and the depressing winter, Constantine prepared his city the best he could. He set out secret groups to collect food set upon builders to use ruins to repair the city's defenses. In addition, Constantine was successful at collecting money from the nobles and the churches within the city. Finally, he deployed a tactic to utilize Italian ships for defense. Constantine would also receive more reinforcements, 700 well-armed soldiers from the west, led by Giovanni Giostania Longo. However, it became clear this was the only defense the west would provide. The city felt betrayed. <laughs> Uh, Kevin, you like that? Okay. Um, yeah, I think the major things we see, I think we see why the Catholic Church is not really supportive of sending more support for Byzantine. I think there's a major rift between the way they view church as a structure and then church as actual writing and the way they carry it out. And that kind of hurts, um, Byzantium in the long run where they no longer get support of the rest of the Christian West because obviously West of them is pretty much all Catholic, Roman Catholic. So um, it's kind of, it was kind of interesting to see that. I didn't think that was a part of the story, but I kind of see why it was presented that way now. Um, and then, I have, yeah, go ahead. I, was, I have a question, but if you have more stuff to say, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, when it, when it talks about like how Mehmet was ready to attack, was that just because he knew they were getting weaker, or was there like actually something that happened that I missed? 
I think they're setting up that he, like, it was always, like, when they mentioned that his inspirations were Julius Caesar and Alexander the Great, I think he always wanted to cement himself in history, and um, Constantinople had never been captured, so, like, it was seen as he would view himself as the crowning achievement, and, like, this was just the perfect opportunity because he knew how weak they were. I mean, Constantine would... Yeah, go ahead. The way I kind of see it is just... Ottoman Empire was on the rise. The Byzantine Empire was on the way down. They had Constantinople basically surrounded, so like, might as well try and take it if you can. That's when he said, in quotes, why not us? Mehmet. <laughs> I think that would be the quote coming from Constantine. You'd have to look around and be like, why not us, guys? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Outnumbered 10 to 1. Let's make it work. I I can't imagine the pit in your stomach knowing that there's probably an 80% chance that your city is going to fall and you're probably going to be slaughtered in ways that cannot be put into words. Like it takes, it takes a leader of immense bravery to be able to stand 10 toes down against something like that. Yeah. We'll be checking the water temps for a a swim, a swim swim escape. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was thinking. How the fuck am I going to get out of here? I may have sent TikToks before we started reading this book that kind of hint towards what Constantine's death is actually like. But he, he goes out he goes out in style, so uh, don't you worry. Actually, maybe... Scouting the, scouting the fastest horse in the, in the city and being like, <laughs> forming a bond and being like, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> I, I did... Suckers. I think it was the last chapter I read in the summary. It was like, Constantine sent him a letter declaring that only God could only judge them and then war awaited them and met, or just responded, surrender or die, basically. <laughs> oh, is he now? Is he still? He's still like eighteen. Yeah, <laughs> so sick. It is kind of sick. I was reading that. I was like, "Did he really just say surrender or die?" I'd be like, "I'd be shaking in my boots." When I was eighteen, I was begging colleges to let me go to their universities. <laughs> I was crying in a girl's bed. Um. <laughs> um all right um all right i i precluded the group <laughs> moving on chapter six i actually the, the summary got deleted here um somehow but uh the, did you not read yeah i wanted no, I to did not read i i can give a little uh rundown okay go ahead give this short run big big well actually i won't think i wanted to show a picture in this part this was like the one picture i actually thought was cool and is it the walls page yeah page 81 the walls it looked like a little ant farm kind of from the side but um yeah kind that of. is that'd be like really i feel like it'd be really fun to be an archer on the top of that that second wall like right over the trench until yeah it'd be really fun at first and then like once they they start rushing you and i'm sure they did like the game of thrones things where they put the things over the top of them you know well, wait, protect themselves. Wait, wait, wait until the cannonballs start coming. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, when they start thought, climbing up the ladders, and then the, they start throwing the rocks down at their heads. <laughs> it's like that Shane Gillis meme where he's like points the gun in his mouth, and he's like, "That's basically what the people in Constantinople are doing right now, because <laughs> they're like, shit, we're screwed.' So he's like, well, might as well fight.' Yeah, uh, basically." My short my short rundown of this one is uh 
big, big trench, two big walls. Gonna need something, something big to knock these walls. Let's build a big cannon, built seventeen foot cannon. Then, I think it was was it Mehmet that said or your name it was Halal. Mehmet or Halal was like, yo, uh, or whoever built them was like, yeah, I don't know if, how these things are actually gonna fire, but like I can build it. And then they're like, don't worry, you just build that thing and I'll fucking blow this shit up. Yeah. And then they they made like a, then they just made a ton of like fourteen foot ish ones, and then they're like, all right. He's like fucking good. Let's it was, it was, some cannon. It was kind of cool. It was like the Hungarian dude that was like a cannon expert, and he went to Constantinople and was like, "Can I build some sick cannons for you?" And they're like, "We don't have the money to pay you." Am I remembering this right? But did I might not be remembering this right? Did he, did he say it was his family that would build them too, or am I tripping? I don't know. I don't. Know. I swear there was a sentence that said like he went back, like. They ordered because they got the first big one, and then they're like, "All right, we want to, we want more, like big ones, not that big though." And then I swear it said like he went back and started, he built more with his family, but I could be just making that up. I was getting delirious. This guy, this guy was just a merchant. He's like Littlefinger. He's just highest bidder. Yeah. Uh, highest. So I'll give you all cannons. <laughs> he, I love. He basically Constantine was like, oh, "We don't have the money to pay you," and he just like. He got detained and then got out and then immediately went to Mamet and was like, hey, dude, I built pretty sick cannons. Uh, and I can make things go explode pretty big. I think I can destroy those walls. And Mamet was like, fuck yeah. Fire. Also on page 93, there's a picture of a 15th century cast cannon and I can't even really tell what's going on. It looks like a big chess piece that they're trying to move. Like a rook. Which page? 93. I beat my girl. And also, I felt very proud of myself. I thought that sentence wasn't going to keep. <laughs> I the first two words. <laughs> it's like, whoa. Also, on page 83, it talks about this was another uh, gruesome Mortal Kombat finishing move. It said John V blinded both his son and his three year old grandson. And I was just like, Jesus Christ. Everyone's just killing all their kids. Well, yeah, I, they were talking about how many ox it required to carry this thing. I forgot where it was. It was like a ridiculous amount. Sixty oxen. Yeah, I don't want to say aliens, but you know, if if I'm in Constantinople and I'm seeing this thing begin built, I'm like, we're getting the hell out of here. Like, like, ain't no way I'm just sitting there while my thing. <laughs> like a big thing like rolling up and there's just 60 yeah. boxes just in front of it like pulling it and you're just like what, what, what the fuck is that I'd have to do like a and double take I'd be like what <laughs> when they get inside too then they start killing you with like religious zeal like oh, yeah. horrific ways I'd, I'd go out by cannon give me the cannon I would put I would stack all myself out. I'm taking my chances the in the in, in in the water. I think I think that's my best bet. Start swimming. I don't know. I think you just convert to Islam. I think you just play dead <laughs> when they walk. <laughs> I mean, it is like there is like that. I will say if you go to page, there's like a giant section section of pictures after 172. That. You could see one of the siege cannons like it's an actual picture. The thing looks ridiculous. 
based on what Tyler, you said, and what the book talks about as far as uh, Ottoman Empire kind of being a melting pot and not persecuting people for race, religion, etc. I'll be interested to see how they treat the people of Constantinople uh, when they do eventually get inside and sack the city yeah i don't i don't know if that necessarily applies to Mehmet, and i don't actually know what happened so i'm interested in that question as well but his dad definitely was was more willing to take in people from outside influences and like tr they said like he treated them kindly usually when he captured things i don't know how true that what is kindly in the 1400s i don't know <laughs> <laughs> only cut off one of your hands what does that exactly mean? We'll have to ask. You won't be that. needing your eyes anymore. I will see some of the reviews. You can't. You, you can't tell me there's torture if you can't see it. I was when I was reading reviews for this book. I think one of the complaints I saw was that it was written too much with a Western bias. Do you guys feel that? I don't really feel that so far. Maybe we'll see it as it goes along. But I couldn't tell you the yeah. either yeah. bias because I don't. I don't fully understand it, so I couldn't tell you what bias I'm reading it from. I feel the opposite. Would it not be the opposite? Yeah, I know. That's I'm a little confused too. Maybe it changes though, so we'll see. Unless they're trying to like make Mehmet sound like a horrible person for he just the city. He sounds like a like, 1500s ruler, like anyone else. Like I don't like, like I have no like huge thoughts on him. I don't like you know. It's not like he's Ivan the Terrible, you know. We stand with Mehmet. Oh, yeah, we don't know. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. Right, yeah. Actually, yeah, never mind. <laughs> Redact. Don't clip that. Don't clip that. Redact that. It's not like he's Ivan the Terrible. <laughs> don't clip that. That may that may point me in the way. All right. I mean, we've we finished. This is this is the preamble of where we're starting. The next section is going to be 1453. So from now on, it's going to be war. So, um, I mean, the, the book. Army up. Spoiler alert! But the. The last chapter goes till May only, so there's only like two more months of actual, like three more months of actual information. It seems so. It gets really condensed here in the next couple chapters. Yeah, I think we're gonna see some action here for those next, waiting for that. The next chapter is called "Numerous as the Stars," which, if that's deaths, this could get could be crazy. I think I think for for I think it it has been history book. We can get to thoughts on the book. It has been a little history book, uh, up to this point. I think we're gonna start seeing some, some action here. I have the exact same thoughts as I had with the last rhinos. I come into the meeting like, what did I what did I really read? Then I have it explained to me, and then I'm like, okay, fire me up. Let's get to the war. I'm fired yeah, up. Yeah, I. I, it doesn't take away from the fact that it is history bookie, and that was a lot of information to fit into the first third of the book. But uh, to the author's credit, this isn't a long book. I think if he sh like stretched this out more, I'd want to shoot myself. But if we get an action-packed last two-thirds of the book, I think I might be satisfied. So we'll see. If it's only two months of action that we're packing into these last call it 200 pages then sign me up really hoping yeah. we get the first person we get like the story perspective now like because that's kind of where it was going i hope we get because it it makes it way easier to read when it's told in the story but then it's still giving you all the information 
I think this book flows think, pretty well for how much information it gave us. Like I had no idea what I was reading to be fair, but I found myself being like, oh, kind of went a little bit faster than I maybe thought I was. I don't know. Maybe it was just me being like, I don't really understand what I'm reading. So I'll just wait till the meeting because I'm not going to try to read it again. But yeah, I think kind of echoed what we all kind of thought a little bit history booky, but again, like Tyler mentioned, it's kind of for those academic audience. We're obviously not the academic audience. Uh, maybe a preamble for dummies would have been nice for, for us, but that's why we have Tyler to, to teach us. For those not watching the uh, the YouTube, Tyler was just flipping through the final pages of the book. Oh, God. Uh, there's, yeah, what are you doing? There's a map on 248 and 249 that I was looking at. It's actually a really good, like, it told me more information. It, huh. It's the layout of Constantinople, which is actually very helpful. I don't know why you didn't put this at the start. Oh, that's sick. I hate that it's like, I hate the crease in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, I wish you could just lay it flat. I, I found it and I was looking at it. I was like, oh, this is actually like, I sort of understand like where they're coming from now. Is there Assassin's Creed in Constantinople? I feel like there was. So they put Assassin's Creed a lot of ball. Venetian stuff. So I don't think so. I don't know. Maybe. Is maybe. it really like that, that close? Probably not, no, but. I think that's what I'll say that. I mean, Jared, you've been to Istanbul, so. I have not. My dad is. Oh, okay. I thought you were there. I thought that was part of your. Want to? It's on. It's on my list. Yeah. At some point. Me too. I think it'd be a really cool city. Well, especially since we're reading this book now, it'd be it'd be cool to visit it after and see like. One of my dad's favorite cities. He like he, loves. He's been back multiple times. But yeah, it'd be a good guys trip. Uh, spot. Yeah, maybe maybe if we make some money, we can have it be our first stuff. Uh... Uh, it would be one of the more easier ones to do. You don't you don't want to go to Central Asia. Well, we can go to Kiva. Same we can't. I'm trying to go to uh to Africa and hang out with the elephants. Yeah, it's probably the first, let's do a safari together. That would probably be. We need to make a lot more money for that to happen. <laughs> That's going to cost us like 10k. So we have a rich donor. You guys think, at, you guys think at the like, end of this book, they uh. They like run an ISO, like you know when you're running like three v three and all of a sudden you ISO and it just turns into a one on one. I think they're gonna do that between Mehmet and uh, Constantine. I think Constantine would kick his ass. Actually, I would. Dude, maybe like John, John Reno and uh, one guy. It was like Constantine had like twenty years of on field fighting training, and Mehmet grew up his entire life in the palace. <laughs> Okay, maybe not. You know nothing, Constantine. <laughs> Mehmet reminds me of uh, Ramsey Bolton. Game of yeah. Thrones. Oh, man. All right. Well, um, I'm excited. Uh, we'll see how the war turns out. Uh, hopefully, hopefully it gets more exciting. If we can all agree on that. Yeah, I don't think it can get more anticlimactic. So it only goes up from here, honestly. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, he was just retelling history, so now it's all current. Yeah, it was basically, here's the history of Constantinople in eight... You know what? Here's the history of Constantinople in 95 years. Or 95 pages. Which... Well, I'm glad he reduced it to 95, because you could probably find a book that's like 
a three part series of three thousand pages of history of Constantinople. So yeah, thought he did a pretty good job in keeping it down a little bit. Yeah, excited to keep reading. And uh, with that, that's the end of uh, the chapter summaries. So when we come back to you, we'll be we'll be starting the meme competition for this episode. So see you guys in a second. Welcome back to the Twenty Pages Podcast. Uh, we're gonna we're about to do jump into the meme section. It's a competition section for this meeting. Our memes recently have honestly been pretty subpar, so hopefully some some people brought some bangers today. I don't know if I did, but hopefully someone did. Uh, I'll just make up the order now because I'm not spinning the wheel or anything. We'll go Christian, Jared, Tyler, and then I'll go last. And everybody, every competitor gets up to three memes. I don't know if everybody has three memes or not, but up to three memes, and then at the end we'll vote. See who wins. Turn into the YouTube if you're if you're listening on Spotify or any other platform. Video is recommended. Highly. All right, Christian. Kick it off. Okay. We'll see what he's in the book club chat. Hear a couple of light chuckles. <laughs> I'm not gonna take it that you purposely spelled it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Constantinople. Constantinople. <laughs> um, yeah. Holy Wars. Okay. Gotta love them. Holy Wars. I think I think if Jerusalem didn't exist, evident or if as or if or if, uh, yeah, there wasn't multiple religions that thought they had the same holy space. Correct. <clears throat> Those damn monotheisms. All right. Jared. Word today. I was going to say, I, I forgot a, the order, so. It was a, it was a good use of those words. <laughs> uh, throwing it back. Throwing it back to. It should be illegal to use a curve. Antonio Rizzo. Antonio Rizzo. Van got. I do stabbed, associate stab through his anus. I associate so, all Rizzo or not Rizzo. <laughs> I associate all Kermit memes with Tyler. I know. I, I feel robbed here. I feel like he went into my territory. It's a good meme though, well, I, I like it. But I looked I looked at anus up on and there was just no other memes that made sense and so left me no choice. I get it, I get it, I get it. Um all right. Looks up anus. We'll start off. We'll start. Off. <laughs> what did you search for this? Yeah. What did you search? I don't know. I just saw it on Twitter. It was like, man talks to brick wall. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I'll go next. <laughs> <laughs> I think they mentioned they mentioned the Trojan horse at one point. I think he got a shout somewhere in this book. <laughs> All right. Okay. Go ahead. Um this is the one I created during the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
perfect meme in the context of did you type something in AI? <laughs> yeah, this is <laughs> AI generator. <laughs> I looked up Turkey Man on Google and then uploaded it to meme generator. <laughs> it looks AI generated. I guess what's going on on that poster in the back, <laughs> bro? I don't know. That's safe for television. That's safe for the YouTube. I joke, kids. Since I didn't understand most of the book thus far, most of mine about my lack of comprehension of the book. <laughs> what is he? Doing? I, know what this, I don't even know what this meme is. I just thought it was funny. <laughs> what is? What are his shoes? I'd say. It. No. I'd say. Going to a different dimension, and that was my brain trying to trying to comprehend those first three chapters. All right, me. Yep. All right. Classic. <laughs> what? <laughs> classic. Classic Philly photo. It's like a known. It's like a known meme. It's the Philly. I've, I've never seen this meme in my life. It's the Philly yell. You remember the night that Philadelphia was burning? Which yeah. one? <laughs> it's the Philly yell. They put uh, what is it? They put Crisco on the fucking flagpole. Yeah. I forgot what it's called. Oh, the, oh yeah, yeah, like WD forty or something on there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is the All definition right. of a Tyler meme. Just no one else has ever seen this photo. Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping Christian had seen it. All right. We. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I got. I got. I got no more. All right. All right. I guess this uh, this meme refers to the beginning of our meeting. I guess the listeners won't know, but we had a heart to heart with the group. <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't stop thinking about the scene in the office. <laughs> All right. All right. Appraisal. <laughs> that was a good one, Brazel. I feel like these these have been in some of our best memes in a while. They, they definitely have been better than the last two or three meetings. The last, I think we've just we've, we've we've tried getting like too deep in the weeds, just going back to to the well of like we're stupid and. All right, last meme. <laughs> it works because of that cannon. cannon yeah. Dude, why why is the kid have his body like that? On the right. I, I know. I really I like Dude, the mounting it. If that was real life, it'd be sending them to the equator. <laughs> Alright. Everybody go one through three, vote for scroll through because this was actually a decent one. There's decent memes presented today, so I actually gotta focus up. Tyler, you gonna do your, your recap that you normally do? Yeah, you're gonna lead us through these. 
Oh, yeah. Okay, so sorry off. Uh, Christian said society if Constantinople never existed. Um, Jared with Anth- Antonio Rizzo after visiting Constantinople, the gaping uh, hole that was left inside him. Outside him, I guess. Uh, medieval armies outside Constantinople. <laughs> Why did you explain that like that? Uh, for me, Aping. Uh, Kevin, I'm helping you. Shut up, uh, Kevin. What I thought about what we were reading about the Trojan horse. Um, obviously, we're not reading about that. Um, Christian then sent when a family member at Thanksgiving said they voted for Constantine. Uh, I don't think anyone voted for the emperor, but, uh, and I think this is AI generated, but. Proofs on the the uh, meme track, uh, Jared. I I don't I don't know how to describe this. <laughs> my br- my brain after reading. That's what it is. It it does a good job at illustrating that his brain is garbled. Um, Philly Elmo sitting behind the trash, constantly becoming empire emperor. Um, <laughs> Kevin sent the cat Rizzo. He got impaled by a stake through his anus. He may like it a little bit. I think what Kevin's trying to say. <laughs> uh, J- Is that the cat wishing you was him? Uh, yeah. Uh, Jared, everyone, when they logged in today, tensions were high before the meeting. Uh, the guy explaining to the girl that's clearly not interested, so the Eastern Orthodox Church wasn't happy with the Pope, continued thought. And then Kevin sent a canon meme where the kid is mounting um and there's a little girl just with her face in front of the hole, and it's reading about 1453. Is the caption. All right, uh, I got to vote now. Okay. Wait, I, get I, st- yeah. I still got to, I'm still. All right. Kevin, I think you've won like a lot of competitions in a row. Okay. A roll, I think. Because he always wins Scriblio. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to bring back trivia for this. He's the Scriblio champion of the world. Oh my god. Trivia would be brutal. We'd just make it, we'd get roasted. I don't think I see when it, when there's so much information presented, I don't think trivia is even like obtainable because it's just like Overload of information. All right, everyone ready? Yep. yep. All right, three, two, one. Okay, Turkey Man. Turkey Man. He's got six. Uh, anything got higher than six? Kermit? No. Uh, Trojan Horse. How much does that got? One, it's at the third point, third place for me. Uh, it's got the first place from Christian. No, okay, so four. I think, I think, uh, Turkey Man wins. Yeah. Congratulations, me. Turkey Man. <laughs> the, the, the votes were really spread out, so yeah, I know this is kind of hard to look at. It's alley, but yeah, we actually we might have to recheck our county, but I think Turkey Man won. A lot of contenders. 
Hey, that means we're there's a couple of getting... three or four points, but I think Turkey Man with the two first place votes is is up top. <laughs> Jared gaping Kermit hole. <laughs> In parentheses, jealous. Jealous looks looks like it felt good. <laughs> Wouldn't know or anything, but it looks like it would be fun. Not into that, but. All right, so I think that does it for our first uh, episode here for 1453. Uh, for next week's episode, we'll be reading chapters 7 through 12. Uh, and we haven't decided on our competition yet, but we will um, sure update that on our socials so you guys will all know. But yeah, looking forward to another great episode. We'll catch you guys next week. Goodbye. Peace.